Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So what's it going to be, Dion? Football or baseball? Both, boss. Both? Both. Offense or defense? Both. Both? Both. 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 Pizza Hut. Meat lovers or stuffed crust pizza? Both. 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 Want it all? Now Pizza Hut offers our lovers line toppings. Meat lovers, pepperoni lovers, or supreme. Piled high in a stuffed crust pizza. So what'll it be, Dion? 15, 20 million? Both. Both. You'll love the stuff we're made of. Only thing I'm not going to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, John's back from the Combine. I am back from the Combine. We've got Jerry Audio. The annual Jerry Bus meeting happened. We'll break it all down on this episode of About Them Cowboys. So welcome in. I'm Kent. Welcoming three, the best of the best, when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. Our panel for this one... Of course, we got Sod from The Athletic. We've got Jonathan Mishoda from The Athletic. And a hostess bad boy from The Freak, Kevin K.T. Turner. Welcome back, K.T. Hello, friends. And uh, Kent and John, thank you for your service uh, this week going out to Indianapolis and handling up on all the stuff that you have to handle up on at the Combine. We got a lot of Jerry Jones audio. We're going to play that, discuss. Uh, I thought there were some things that you could take away from uh, the week at the Combine. John is covered a lot of it and uh in an article that you can read as well but we hope you listen to this first and then maybe go read john's article whatever you would like to do that's on you you're in charge john uh, before we uh, start firing off some jerry audio do you want to go ahead and give away uh, or just discuss your kind of overall impressions of uh, some of the information that you grabbed from this week out at the combine yeah there's a lot of different stuff i wouldn't say there's anything that should make cowboys fans feel like there's been some type of shift in the way that they plan on doing business. And so I'm sure that's not exactly music to your ears. Uh, If you were hoping for the Cowboys to feel like, look what the Eagles did this past off season and, and look at what the Rams did the off season before that. And the Bucks the year before that, it's time that we're going to step up and we're going to have a really aggressive off season. Um, I don't get the sense that that's happening. So as much as I would like to bring that news to you and as much as that would uh, help, sell subscriptions to the athletic and drive interest in the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it seems like they're leaning more towards business as usual uh, with how they've built the team and how they plan on building it going forward. John, how was the, the lunch with McCarthy? I know you did that. He takes you guys out to lunch. How was that? That was really good. You know, I mean, it was 20 minutes on the record uh, after, you know, he probably talked for about 20 minutes on the podium uh, inside the, uh, convention center in Indianapolis. And then, so then we go to lunch and, you know, the first, like I said, 20 minutes on the record. And then we, you know, the lunch probably lasts another, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. And we talk about all kinds of different stuff from, you know, football, but like life and all that stuff too. And, you know, the one quote that really, you know, gained all the attention from McCarthy from the lunch during the portion, the first 20 on the record was when he talked about how he wants to, you know, run the ball more and Kellen wanted to light up the scoreboard. And, uh, it was interesting to watch how, um, 
It was interesting to watch how much the national media jumped all over that. And if you want to be critical of, um, you know, him not him not wanting to score a bunch of points and, and, and you want to be critical of his thinking and, and say it's old school and the Cowboys are doomed, I, I'm not I don't have any issue uh, with that at all. But I saw a lot of people talk about how, like, you know, this is just him taking inappropriate shots at Kellen Moore. And my best way to describe that from a reporter standpoint would be it would be like me transcribing everything Mike McCarthy has said or said at the combine about Kellen Moore and it being 30 sentences and him being critical of Kellen Moore is two of those sentences. And on the TV or radio or wherever you want to talk about it, the other 28 sentences don't matter. It just goes, wait, whoa, whoa, back it up. What are those two right there? That right there, that can lead our show. That's Cowboys. Let's go with that. Let's forget any of that other any of that other stuff is said. These are the two. And so that kind of annoyed me, but that's just kind of the way our business is. So um, the reason it annoys me is that it it really has no has nothing to do with Mike McCarthy. It has no nothing to do with me being protective of Mike McCarthy. It has to do with me wanting to have an interesting job that I do. And if you nitpick and just do all that stuff like that, that's when you're going to get all your Bill Belichick quotes from. That's when you're going to get all your Marshawn Lynch. I'm just up here, so I don't. You know, it's like, it's it it, it just it kind of makes things difficult because you know people are going to pick at that at that one little thing and act like man, these guys were probably just at each other's throat all the time. It's like, no, he kept talking about over and over again how much he's seen improvement in Kellen and how good he thinks that Kellen is at his job and at calling plays. And all. He, it was just one point where he said that they had a difference in some philosophy and is just taken like that. He just, oh, th- he broke code and, and this isn't what you're supposed to do. I just, it's, I understand I cover an NFL team and so that's what's going to happen. But it, it, there's there are moments like that they just leave you rolling your eyes. Yeah, and... You know, one thing that I find interesting about that, and I had a similar kind of reaction to that as well. And and the reason why, though, is because when when a when that kind of like divorce happens between like you know a head coach and offensive coordinator, it's obvious that there's going to be some sort of there was some sort of disagreement or something. So even if you even if the question is phrased like "What do you want to do differently?" and Mike McCarthy isn't even talking about Kellen, and he's like, "We want to run the ball more." Like you can spin that into, well, Kellen didn't want to run the ball and like Kellen didn't want to do this because there is a reason why they're not still together. And this is something that you see really throughout. And I mean, you know, as John said, it kind of makes coaches a little bit more tight lipped um, because, you know, I'm, I cover the Dallas Stars full time for the athletic. And, you know, anytime you're asking the coach like, hey, what's different about this team versus last team? Why are they scoring so much more? the coach already knows that anything he says is not only going to be seen as a credit to this year's team, but it's going to be seen as a slight to last year's coach. And he doesn't want to do that. So then the agent doesn't say anything. So I think that's like, it's important to have the full context of everything, but, um, but, but obviously they went separate ways for a reason, right? Yeah. And I don't spend like a lot of time on uh, McCarthy when we have all this Jerry stuff, but I, I do want to say that there was I, I agree with you. There was uh, what we would call, I guess, now selective outrage um, after last night's big uh, Chris Rock um, special on Netflix. The Kellen stuff didn't bother me at all. I didn't care. The only thing that bothered me about what McCarthy said was just the idea that he wants to run the ball so he can rest his defense. Like, what? That doesn't even make sense. So, like, I don't really – I've never, like, been a big believer in that. Like, game clock and real life clock are two different things. 
And Mike McCarthy's history does not show that he wants to run the ball. So I that that was kind of my thing, but I almost like walked away from that with the idea of like he's just saying something that Jerry wants to hear. That's kind of what I kind of felt when I was when I was walking away from uh what McCarthy said, but I wasn't there. So yeah. I, and then the way I kind of took all of that too was um yeah, it is alarming to think that in today's NFL with the good teams, the way they've score points, um, that it wouldn't be more lean towards a run game, one in philosophy, two in your current personnel. You know, there was yeah. times in 2014 and 2016 where that was a great game plan for the Dallas Cowboys. They had the best offensive line in football in 14. Uh, you know, they were committed to, you know, work. DeMarco Murray was going to be what they were they were going to win with. They were going to run the ball. He ended up winning the rushing title in 2014. And I think going into the season, if you talked about that, people would have rolled their eyes because you have Tony Romo and he can throw it all over the yard. Well, you look at that season in 2014, you could argue that was Tony Romo's best season in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, they ran the ball a ton. Again, another rushing title, Ezekiel Elliott. And that was one of Dak's best seasons because of um, the way he took care of the ball, I mean, only, I think, four interceptions that year. They were just super efficient, and um, those teams should have went further than, than they did, you know? And so I don't look at them as as that they're going to go all the way into that, because if they were, I, I just think that you'd be running your head into the wall. I just don't think they have the personnel yeah. to do that. I just, I mean, um, if, if I guess if they had a top 10 pick and, and, they felt like their offensive line was is, was a little bit better than maybe it is right now. Maybe you draft Bijan Robinson and you feel like you have that where you're like, hey, we got this young kid for the next five years. I'm just gonna we're gonna run, uh, we're gonna get the best years out of him and whatever. Uh, that might be a little bit different. But with, if you're bringing back Tony Pollard, which they are gonna do, whether it's franchise tag or resign him, and and you and you're talking the way you are right now about bringing back Ezekiel Elliott, I don't understand how you think that you're gonna be able to run the ball 35, 40 times a game and beat all these good teams. You're going to be able to do it some nights, but I don't know that you're going to be able to do it all the time. And so he says that, and it's kind of one of those, I'll believe it when I see it, because like you said, Katie, that's not his track record. So I think he, I think ultimately he's not going to go to the podium and say, Hey, we need to calm this thing down a bit to where Dak doesn't, isn't trying to win every game and and has to throw 35, 40 times force and passes on on third downs that are getting us in trouble. Let's take a little bit of pressure off the quarterback. If you sit there and say that that's coming out as, I mean, I talk about reading in between the lines that screams, I don't trust my quarterback. And that would be the talk all week. And um, I don't think he wants that. So I think that was his way of of saying, Hey, I want to kind of chill this thing out a little bit and maybe not. He's not worried about Dak putting up, uh, you know, 5,500 yards, you know, basically, he's not worried about Dak putting up Patrick Mahomes' numbers. Uh, he wants to, he's worried about winning more games. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes. And and hey, let's be honest. If if that is how he goes about it and it doesn't work out, well, then they're going to be – not only will they have a new offensive play caller next year, they'll have a new head coach. John, you went out with, with Mike, and I think he likes doing that because he wants to, to know you guys on a personal level and have that – relationship with you, you know, great way to do that. Go out to dinner, go out to lunch. So the big question is, what did Mike order for lunch? Did he play it <laughs> safe with maybe a soup, a little BLT? Did he go go all in with like a fried Monte Cristo thing? What do you got going on there? You know, 
You know what? That's a great question on the entree. I honestly don't remember exactly what it was because I wasn't even paying attention. He, oh. he definitely got the shrimp cocktail. He's big on that whole. Oh, we went, to, we went to Izzy's? Her, yeah, I went to Heron Izzy's, which got is it. right next to St. Elmo's. And uh, it's similar um, menu. You know, they're uh, so same thing as the St. Elmo's uh, shrimp cocktail. Uh, he was really big into, you know, he's, he likes the, the spice and the, you know, the whole sauce that goes with, with all the horseradish and all that. I'm not a, I'm not into that. God, what did he get? That's a great question. Uh, did he go with a steak at lunchtime? No, no definitely okay. did not go with a steak. No, I, it might've been just a salad. I remember he was eating a salad at one point. The reason this doesn't stand out to me is because he didn't eat very much because we, um, it started at one is when we met at the restaurant and he had flown in earlier that day and he said he ate, uh, breakfast earlier day so it was like not like you know at one o'clock hungry, it's kind it of a late lunch yeah he wasn't yeah. as hungry yeah. yeah as uh as the rest of us were but i just remember him eating the shrimp cocktail and he had a salad and i honestly don't know if he had an entree another reason why it doesn't stand out what he got is because um uh this is going to sound obvious but when you're actually in it because this is the second time we've done this he's sitting at the head of a table and there's probably eight of us in there and we're not really giving him a ton of time to eat. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that we were just like bombarding him with one question after another, but you know, I mean, I'd say probably a third of it is just talking about like life, like how, you know, how his daughters are doing and uh, school and things like that, where, you know, he's trying to, you know, he's given us a lot of information and talking about a lot of different things. And he doesn't really have a lot of time to, there's not a, there's not a point where like we're all just eating and kind of conversating amongst ourselves. We're directing all the conversation towards him, so he's not really getting a lot of time to just sit there uh, and, and and you know eat and like where you know he's maybe talking to one other person and I'm turned and I'm talking to like you know Clarence or Todd or something like that. We're all pretty much focused on whatever he's talking about, you know, like the coaches' breakfast where they, you know, they'll have like Sean McVeigh's like. Trying to eat an omelet here while they're asking him questions. It's kind of yeah. kind of awkward. Yeah, I mean that's the times that we're in, though. I mean, I mean, yeah. from people I know that cover the Cowboys back in the Tom Landry days, I mean, you were getting to go into Tom Landry's office when you wanted to do and stuff like that. So these aren't that rare. These mm -hmm. lunches wouldn't be, you know, and being around a person. Yeah. But we're not getting those opportunities anymore. It probably wouldn't be that rare if it was if we were still at just Valley Ranch. Forget back in the eighties and before. Um, just because now we're in a fortress. I mean, we can't yeah. get to where the, the coaches or players are without key cards and going through multiple areas where there's security. Like, we can't get anywhere near uh, to just... And when I say that, I don't mean to, like, bombard somebody with a ton of questions. I'm talking about just saying hi, asking how your day's going, how, how you know, like, uh, how are your kids doing? You know, how's your daughter doing at volleyball? Like, things like... You don't even get those, those interacting. When we see them, it's only because, hey, a press conference is about to start and go. And then when it's done you're leaving and there's a PR person with them and that's it. Like there's very little. So there's been times where before practice um, or when the team's stretching and stuff like that, where Mark, Mike McCarthy will walk up to a small group of us and we'll just talk a little bit briefly like that. And that to me stands out because there's so few opportunities that they even have of those things where at least there were some of those at Valley Ranch, but at the new place, yeah. we just don't get those, those type of interactions anymore. Well, Kent, let's uh, get into this Jerry Jones stuff. John had 90 minutes on the Jerry bus, uh, a tradition like none other. Um, so it's, it's always uh, interesting to see what Jerry's going to say. Uh, yeah. Whether you like the things he says or don't, uh, but we can at least chop up and see what happened. Uh, Kent, I know you've got all the audio, so I'll just let you kind of uh, set them up. Yeah, props to uh, the media members there. John, of course, among them, and DallasCowboys.com. 
for uh, recording the audio here. Something they did leave in, so props to Cowboys.com, was the pre-talk, which when I posted this, I would cut it out, but shout out to them for, for leaving this in. Some interesting banter happening before the questions rolled. So wanted to dissect this a little bit. Here we go. You almost didn't get playing. Ooh, it's coming. Whatever's happening is creating a problem here now. Last night was was getting it. Right. But uh, uh, it was great. So what do you, you, what do, you do to tonight? kill time? Have y'all got to fly tonight? No. No. It's supposed to. Uh, I'm not. Oh, Let's see here. Is everybody going to take the coat off or you... Uh, it's kind of chilly on here. Uh, I'll be happy to warm it up, but I literally just walked on here. So here we are. How was your flight? Well, it was good. It was uh, windy. That's we just have spent 20 minutes talking about it. I, my mind is like I'm cold. I'm, you know, it's been a long week, but we're missing you. What is, I mean, what, it, what is new? <laughs> what is, it's been a long week here. <laughs> well, I've been uh, real upset not getting up here to be with you guys without my chaperone. There you go. Around here. <laughs> I got a few things here. First, Jerry's talking about the weather delays and getting in. And I just love you, John Mashoda, with the question of, what did you do to kill time? Yeah, he, he either he didn't want to respond or he didn't hear it. So imagine that eight hours where Jerry's like planning on being somewhere, <laughs> can't can't book anything else. Great question, and then somebody else swerved it. So yeah, props to you well, for for going there. To, get, to paint the full picture here, this is on a this that conversation probably started at this is Friday night, probably around uh, seven thirty uh, p.m. Eastern time, and so. Uh, just for complete transparency here, when we get to Indianapolis, we don't know if we're getting Jerry Jones on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, last year he didn't even talk to us because of uh, that was, you know, it was right, pretty similar, pretty close around the time where uh, they had some uh, off the field issues. Um, yeah. They had a PR was let go for, um, allegedly taking some photos in the cheerleaders locker room stuff. So Jerry didn't even talk to us. So you're going there this whole week and you're, you're trying to, you're trying to hang out in a certain area so that you're there when he ends up talking. Cause you don't want to miss this whole bus thing. I mean, that's one of the main reasons you're there. And so you're kind of hearing on Wednesday, it might be Thursday, but Jerry's not in town yet. You don't really know. Again, you're planning everything around this. And then Thursday comes and you're like, yeah, no, it's going to be Friday. We just don't know what time. Friday morning, 8 a.m., you know, I'm like, oh, I'll go talk to some players and then I'll go ahead to the Marriott where the bus is parked and we'll find out something there. Nine o'clock, don't really hear anything. Ten o'clock, it'll definitely be after lunch, maybe one. Uh, okay, I'll go get some lunch, come back. One o'clock, yeah, Jerry hasn't even left yet. I don't know when it's going to be. And that's when you start hearing whispers of it might be tomorrow, might not be it at all. So it's not like you're really going anywhere. So then two o'clock comes, three o'clock comes. You know, it's these, these are the situations where you, I feel very fortunate that like... Um, I got a good, you know, relate working relationship with like Clarence and Todd and Jory. Um, and so you're sitting around and I just think sometimes of how miserable the job would be if you didn't like the people we work with. Cause you're just, you're spending a lot of time around those people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden four o'clock comes five o'clock, six o'clock. Jerry is still not left Dallas. 
and you're still not being told, is this thing going to be tomorrow? Is it not going to be at all? What are we going to be doing? Uh, so then finally around seven, they said that uh, he had landed in Indy. And then so at 7.30, then we got on the bus. And I think the Cowboys only wanted it to be like 20 minutes, but then it turned into 90, you know, and it maybe possibly could have gone longer, but Jerry was going to have dinner with the scouts and, <clears throat> excuse me, and they were just wrapping up what they were doing at the stadium. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not like it's all planned out where it's like, okay, 7.30, you're on the bus. You just don't really know for sure. So you're just kind of, you know, so that's where some of that talk at the beginning where I think you hear clearance talk about like, I don't know, it's been like a long day, whatever like that, you know, because we didn't we didn't really know. Because again, here's my big thing. I always say this when this happens. I'm like, just let me know that we're going to for sure get him. Like, I don't it can be one in the morning, it can be four in the morning, it can be five. It's the waiting and doing all that. And in the back of your mind, there's a part where you're like, I'm doing all of this instead of something else. And I might not get anything from it. I'll give yeah. you I, I, this is this is this is just a little behind the scenes thing. I'll give you a great example of, of something like this. I was talking about with somebody at the combine. I'll make this as quick as possible because it doesn't have anything to do with Jerry. All right, so that game two years ago at Minnesota, Cooper Rush is killing it in the second half, and all of a sudden, like late in the first fourth quarter, they're showing Cooper Rush's family on the TVs, and I'm sitting there in the press box going, "You know what's the best story here is to go get them," but I'm also in Minnesota. So am I going to make it over to them? Keep in mind, it's not like they won the game and they blew them out. It came down to the very end. So am I going to have enough time to work my, myself through fans and everything? It's a sellout. It's a, it's a night game, you know, Halloween night and all that, and get to his parents and get something from them and still make it back to the locker room in time to get anything. There. Again, road games, man. I'm telling you, road games, right when they're over, sure. it's like a mission. They're trying to get out of there as fast as possible. And so in my mind, I'm thinking this out. I'm like, I need to go get them. I need to go get them. But I'm like, one, what if they don't want to talk, which I didn't think that that was going to be an issue. I thought they would. But two, I was like, what if they didn't have much to say? Now I got to try and find my way back again, a stadium I haven't been before. And now I miss everything. So it's that part in the back of your mind where you're like, it's not only what am I getting, it's the possibility of getting nothing. You know, like you spent all this money, your company spent this money to send you in Indianapolis, or in that case, sent you all that, this money for you to stay in a hotel and go to these games in, in Minneapolis, go to this Vikings game. And then I come back and I'm just like, yeah, I didn't get anything. Uh, I tried to get Cooper Rush's parents and they weren't really great about it. They really, you know, they were pumped, but not a lot of great stuff there. Not a lot of uh, behind the scenes. So by the time I got back to the locker room, it was closed and Jerry had already left. So I got nothing for you. So see you later. You know, it's the not knowing if you're going to get anything yeah. that in, those, in a couple situations in this job where you're weighing that in the moment, like, man, I, I don't want to F this up, you know? I was talking to some people that still work for the team and they, they didn't even know. Yeah. So like yeah. the people in his circle don't even know <laughs> where yeah. when he's going to be there. So, right, right. Especially with the, you know, with the story of the week. I mean, the, the case that's been brought back, it's a sexual assault allegation. Um, yeah, yeah. That it was a dis dismissed case, but now it's not. And there's a possibility that he would uh, have to go to trial. We're still kind of waiting on more information. When that dropped earlier in the week, I was like, I, yeah. that could definitely be the same thing like last year where he doesn't talk. But, Glad we got him. Uh, Kent, what else? Yeah. What's the next uh, thing you have from uh, our time with Jerry on the bus? Big topic, obviously, franchise tag. So here's what he said about that in Tony Pollard. Well, uh, again, I don't want to pre preempt uh, what may happen, but uh, that franchise is there and should be judiciously uh, used for uh, the right spot. It's usually there to... Uh, uh, get people to come on and make an agreement. And so um, I really don't want to say it's a done thing because uh, as these things go, 
you don't know where you are until the deadline comes and goes. But uh, right now, uh, certainly, uh, Tony's a big part of our plans. It was, uh, seems like just a moment ago when I saw that tackle against uh, San Francisco, the, uh, I thought it was turning point in the game for us, really. Now, not one play can make a difference, but if uh, if missing a guy at a critical spot was going to give you a picture of why you might want Tony Pollard, roll the clock back right there and look at how our things change for us. Now, this, uh, as everybody always knows, you can't go to one play, but uh, that was a turning point in my mind. So what's that got to do with this questioning is that he's an integral part of looking forward. I feel very confident that he can uh, uh, have the kind of recovery that uh, uh, will not minimize or potentially impact negatively how he plays. Yeah, there were a few answers in there when he was talking that were about five or six minutes long. So uh, nice work, Kent. By uh, I, I trimmed a lot of the ums and and uh, pauses right, right, right. out of here. Yeah, I've kept some in because you, you got to have some. But uh, but yeah, so some of these are, are trimmed down for that. You know what's interesting to me about that and that and that answer in specific is sometimes like you know having covered the NFL, NBA, and NHL at, at length, it's really interesting to me. And this is not the first time Jerry's done this, but he he he's probably the one that can do this the most. Where he doesn't care about leverage. He'll he'll straight up like negotiate. Like he'll tell you Tony Pollard is like the most important person in the world. And like, whereas most general managers will want to like, you know, temper it a little bit just to be like, you know, thinking about what kind of money they're going to have to pay and stuff. And Jerry just doesn't care. Like Jerry knows that, you know, he can basically do whatever he wants. And he just goes out there and he'll talk about guys like they're the best thing ever. Um, if I'm Tony Pollard's agent, I'm like, you're, you're, you're the one that's saying that he's <laughs> like the most important yeah. person ever. Like they would have won the game the, if he had been in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's really interesting to me having covered like Mark Cuban and like the other guys, like you'll always see people balance it out. And Jerry just goes all in all the time. Yeah. And I mean, Hey, you, a lot of fans like to say this and, and, and there's a lot of truth behind it. He has his favorites, you know, and, and he's not shy about sharing that. And I think it's, it probably doesn't matter as much if, if, the owner's just the owner, but when the owner's the GM and at the end of the day is going to have a lot of say in a lot of those stuff and a lot of those situations, I should say, um, yeah, maybe that, maybe those are the, th- maybe they've gotten him in trouble. You know, maybe that, what you said, Sod, maybe that factored into, you know, Dak getting the deal he got and Zeke getting the deal that he has right now and Jalen Smith getting that contract that he got. And, you know, um, yeah, though you're, that's, that's a good point. A lot of people pointed that out when I first got on the beat that, you know, a lot of the posing, you know, the players, agents, and things like that—they probably love when he says a lot of those things. So, and, and I'm sure they do. Uh, J- Jerry doesn't hide the fact that he definitely has favorites. That's for sure. The running back is a great position to use on a franchise tag for obvious reasons of, you know, not extending uh, running backs to to second and third contracts. But also, you just look at the price of franchise uh, franchise tagging a running back being ten or eleven million dollars compared to. Let's say a linebacker, franchise tag linebacker, it's eighteen to twenty million dollars. Um, I mean, th- there's a big difference, and I think weirdly comparable positions, kind of with running back and linebacker. You know, there's not a lot, a lot of linebackers that you see getting those big second and third contracts. So I think that's kind of uh, interesting. So it's kind of big physical positions like that. So yeah, I mean, Tony Pollard, use him up, franchise him if you're going to use it. 
Uh, I guess you have options depending on how the negotiations go, but we know how the Cowboys operate. They put themselves in positions to when they enter free agency in the draft or when they get through with free agency and get to the draft that they aren't uh, forced to go, well, we have to take a running back today. They don't like doing that. Um, they've had to do it a few times before. And they don't like doing that. So they're trying to cover up and cover their butts at those positions. I think one way you do that is by franchising uh, Tony Pollard. I also think it worked out well for them in, in the draft these last three years in the first round because uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple times when I was walking around Indy, I was thinking about how before Mike McCarthy became head coach, it was a little bit more uh, probably easier, probably isn't the right word, but we'll say easier to, to kind of determine or predict who they might take in the first round. And oh, since McCarthy's yeah. been head coach, man, like when I think of sitting at the combine, these last three years, the players they ended up taking were certainly nowhere near the front of my mind when I was at the combine that particular yeah. year. You know, uh, the idea of having um, Caleb on chase on available and them taking CD lamb. I just never would have thought even at the combine CD lamb would have fell to them. And mm-hmm. I really thought I had my doubts that chase on would even be there and that both of them were there. Uh, and then even like a Trayvon Diggs falling to them and then him being the second round pick. So, 2020, that one's completely off the board. Uh, 2021 with Micah, I mean, we were so focused at the combine on corners, you know, and and it probably would have been a corner, you know, if one of them would have fallen to 10. Yeah. But they didn't. And then they went Micah Parsons. And uh, that really wasn't a a high expectation because let's be honest, nobody thought he was going to be rushing the passer the way that he has. They thought (laughs) people thought he was more of a lot more more than just a linebacker. But there was a lot of talk of him being more of your traditional linebacker. And that's why you go around 10 or 12 is because you you yeah. think that that player is going to be playing most of his snaps. He can rush, but you think he's going to be playing most of his snaps as a, as a traditional linebacker. If you can rush the passer like Micah Parsons can, you don't make it out of top three. You're yeah. the first non-quarterback pick. No question about it. All Micah Parsons would have had to do to never end up with the Cowboys is play that that next season at Penn State. He would have tore up the Big Ten. He would have been rushing the passer like crazy. But because it was that COVID year and he decided to sit out, it was almost like they were able to hide it a little bit more to where people were like, yeah, he's 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 a traditional linebacker. So we weren't expecting that. And then, Nobody of course, knew. and then, of course, last year, there's no way at the combine you would have told me that they were taking Tyler Smith. You know, they're just yeah. there's no way. And let's be honest, all three of those guys I just mentioned have, have been outstanding picks. What's next, Kent? Big question. Obviously, if you keep Tony, surely you can't keep Zeke. As well, <laughs> no. I actually uh, think that if you'll carry through uh, the both that we we used them both last year, uh, I have in anything we've talked about, uh, I haven't necessarily seen uh, that we wouldn't uh, uh, have both doing the best things they do. We've got to remember now, Zeke was limited, but he might not have been as limited as we uh, might have worried about him being, but he was limited last year. And uh, I know I've got a reputation for being uh, reluctant to look at uh, great players as they go into the later years of their careers. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't need a uh, empathy or I don't need a, a feeling of what, look what he's done for us uh, to uh, uh, turn on a tape and look at uh, what a difference maker he was last year in games right through the end of the year. 
He made plays, made runs that uh, had we not made them, it could have been even more negative than it turned out. So where I'm going with this is that uh, if I could replicate the feeling that I had before Tony Pollard got hurt and the feeling I had with a Zeke, good weeks of practice behind him and ready to go into the playoffs, I'd dial that up right now. That very feeling, I would not try to improve on that right now. All right, so my issue here is that him saying, like, in a way he's almost trying to defend Zeke, say he was playing through injuries and that he wasn't completely healthy and use that as kind of an excuse where I I hear that and I'm kind of like, yeah, and he dealt with injuries the year before, Jerry, and his style of play is very physical. And if you watch the way he played earlier in his career, you can see that the, the toll has been taken. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I'm opposed to them having Zeke and Pollard back again next year or, or this upcoming season, um, but it's going to have to be for a lot less money. And I find it hard to believe that Zeke's going to be willing to take a lot less. Um, I, I don't think I just think it's it's a bad move if they basically leave the contract the way it is. And I mean, just what they won't be able to do in terms of adding players. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't know. There was a lot there that left me scratching my head because um, that's a position that I just really feel like, you know, uh, you know, take Cowboys out of it. Just, you know, you hear over, you know, being at the combines is always a good example, but some of the best run teams in the NFL, one of the best things they do is they move on from key players before it's too late. You know, they're a year yeah. ahead you know, they're, they're two years ahead. You know, that was obviously a big thing, Saad, with, with Belichick through, through those Patriots years. People talk about that with the Steelers, you know, uh, feeling that way about certain situations, things like that. Um, uh, the Packers, things, you know, some of the best run organizations, you hear of that. And I mean, my entire time covering the Cowboys, I've never, never felt that way with them. No, pay for what they can do, not what they've done. Right. Yeah, I think, I think though, the the ability to do that and and I agree with everything you said but I think the ability to do that goes beyond the decision to move on from a player you have to have someone that's ready to come in behind them right so like when when like for example the Patriots let go of Randy Moss in 2010 they had Gronk and Hernandez kind of like or they they had a philosophy shift coming when they let go yeah. of Welker they had Edelman coming when they let go of Laura Malloy they had Rodney Harrison coming like you have to have a lot of these. And, and to me, this what Jerry just said about Zeke goes back to his answer about Tony Pollard. And I think what KT just said, what you want to do is secure yourself right now that if you had to go into the season with this, you're, you're fine. But you also still have the draft coming. So you don't want to lock up your entire running back position in free agency to where then in the fourth round, you have a nice young running back who can complement Tony Pollard. But now he's going to be stacked behind Zeke on the depth chart just because that's the, de- the decision you made in free agency. So I think for me, it's par- part of it is, you know, e- I-, I hear you on the lesser price tag. But for me, it's you franchise tag Tony Pollard. And then if Bijan Robinson is there at 26, you consider taking him there. And he's your guy for the future for the next four years. If he's not there, then you draft a developmental guy in three to f- in the third or fourth round. And you still move, and you still consider moving on with Pollard um, after this year. Yeah, see, no, I think they set themselves up by having Tony Pollard, so you don't absolutely need to do anything at running back. He'll be there. Exactly. But I'm saying that well-run teams, what they would do is they would move on from Zeke, and I will. I don't even think they would take Bijan Robinson. I, I don't think I'm you, talking about well-run teams. I think they would they would get 
another maybe second, third round type thing, fourth round, add another running back in there. Is that player going to be 2016, 2017, 2018 Zeke? Of course not. Is that player going to be 2014 DeMarco Murray? Of course not. But that player has a role. And you know that their best days are ahead and it's going to, and it's going to pay off big dividends a year from now when let's be honest, you're moving on from Tony Pollard. And now this player, whoever it is, is now in there. And again, are you adding a second running back? Sure. Maybe you add a fourth or fifth rounder, but you're never really entertaining a first rounder ever again. You're kind of going through that cycle where yes, you want to have two good running backs, but you're not spending premium on, on, on either on, on definitely not both, but maybe one of them at, at most. So yeah. I, I I still, there's a part of me that think that it, Jerry's just saying that and that's not really what they're going to do. And we'll see. But because I, I will be very surprised. You would have told me when the season ended that Zeke and, and Tony Power will both be on the season, uh, both be on the team next season. I would have been, I'd be, they're like, there's no way. But they keep driving it to say that and, and they're saying the right things about Zeke. We'll see. The only reason I'm not surprised by any of that is because Jerry's relationship with Zeke. I'm sorry, like, it, it, this has never, there's never been a more clear cut thing where you have so much leverage to go, hey man, I really think you should take a pay cut here. We need you to take a pay cut. It's gonna be good for the team. You can still stay here, be a cowboy legend, be the, uh, you know, backup running back. We'll still get you 10, 15 carries a game. You know, we'll we'll, we'll do that. You like Jalen Smith a lot too. Someone had to talk him out of that. So maybe that person will talk well, him out of this too. You know, if you can go to Demarcus Lawrence and ask him to take a pay cut, I'm sorry, you can go to Zeke. And if Absolutely. Zeke doesn't want to do that, then Zeke can go play for someone else. Or oh, guess what? Yeah. No one will offer him anything. They won't offer him anything. There's Zeke no chance he plays. Vet- there's no he's chance he plays for his current number. He's going to have to take a pay. There's no way that they're just rolling on with what they have right now, and it'll be the same salary structure. They won't I, be able to sign anybody if that's the case. I don't have any problem with Zeke here at one million or two million or backup yeah. running back salary. See, that, I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. That's where I actually disagree. I, I I just I just think Zeke is 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 taking up a roster spot at this point. I would much rather have Tony Pollard as the starter and the third round pick as the as the next guy than have. Tony Pollard and Zeke run it back for another year. That oh, see, yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. If if the price is real low, I'm fine with Zeke coming back just because I do think that he still can get uh, goal line yards, third and one yards, things like that. That again, yeah, but yeah, he's not your he he like the way I, way I'm projecting this or, or or thinking in my head. If if he's still on the roster, it's you can tell over each of the last two years, it's become more Tony Pollard, more Tony Pollard. Like I'm expecting it to go on that same track to where like. Zeke's playing even less than he did last year and obviously oh, even yeah. less than the year before. He's not even close to this isn't even timeshare split is not even being discussed. Mm-hmm. And and he's making very little money. But I don't yeah. I, but again, I think it would be easier, like I just said, to move on, draft somebody in let's say the third or fourth round, fourth round is where they got Tony Pollard. And that player is obviously not Zeke, but you know that you're gonna have that player for the next four years. And that guy could be your next guy if you move on from Tony Pollard. If you keep Zeke, you're not really setting yourself up for a future plan beyond those two because you could very well this time next year, you don't have a running back. You're you're going into the offseason with Malik Davis as your running back. You don't want to do that. Yeah, you Malik, Malik Davis and Zeke should be fighting for backup running back carries. That's the competition. And Zeke gets some garbage time. I mean, that's that's, that's the only way this works. Otherwise, they're just yeah. being foolish. And and I know Jerry had some more comments that we'll get to because when he started talking about Dak, I was like. You make no sense. The things you say make no sense, sir. Um, two things. So, yeah. Two things real funny about Jerry on that answer, though, just not related to the running back discussion. Is one, 
it's funny that Zeke is 27 and we talk about him like like he's like some old man like Jerry's like at the back half of his career and like whatever it's just it's just fascinating how athlete years kind of are different from our years and then running back on top of that and the other thing one thing that Jerry's done more from year to year and I'm curious if he does this again where he like he knows he starts rambling so he like resets his own answer he's like so so what I'm trying to say is, or like, so so how this answers the question, and it's like, he wasn't doing that three, four years ago, but now he like resets himself, which is kind of funny. Yeah. There were multiple answers. There were multiple <laughs> answers uh, Friday night where um, he did that two or three times, and those resets came after probably a minute and a half, two minute answer already. So it's like, and then the reset is another minute or two. And so you're like, you're like, man, this answer is like five, six minutes, you know? And um, and, and it's great. I mean, hey, I'm not complaining about 90 minutes. I'll take that 90 minutes. Any, but it wasn't like really saying anything new. You know, it's it's yeah. it's six minutes of the answers over, and you're like, yeah, they haven't changed the way that they're going about this. At least not what they're saying right now. One thing I was like, well, you're already paying your running backs this much, so you don't tell me the quarterback's salary cap number is a problem. You're <laughs> the one who gave your running back a contract when he wasn't even scheduled to be a free agent yet. What? There's a lot of Zeke legacy talk happening right now, too. And I think Zeke needs to have a, a you know conversation with himself on what do I want next season to be? What do I want my next contract to be? How much am I in this for the money? Am I in this now for my legacy and, and establishing my reputation as a great running back that had a great career? Because he comes back to the Cowboys – on a let's say a, a two million dollar contract, let's double. Let's say two million dollar contract. He has a season close to last year. Okay. Let's say five hundred yards, eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the fan base is is thinking we got a hell of a deal, and I can't believe we're getting this production out of this money type of situation. I think it's what John has always said about Dak too. It's it's crazy when you go from forty million to thirty. 7 million 38 million how much that could literally sway your whole legacy talk like i I don't know it's just it's crazy why why players wouldn't do that to me but i guess every every million counts i guess but uh but i would definitely do that oh and i'm sure i'm sure players i'm sure players would if they represented themselves probably a little bit more but i think you get an agent involved too and and they obviously hey that's their name on that deal too they want you to be the quarterback that reset the market and you want to be the running back that reset the market. So, yeah, no, I, I get I all of that. There's a big, heavy Daniel Jones conversation right now about him wanting more. And it's like Daniel Jones probably knows he's not doesn't need to reset right. the quarterback market. His agent and the NFL Players Association is going, you have to reset the market. We all yeah. want to make more money. You know, It's time for him to get paid. Zeke got, got his second contract, you know? Like, yeah. I think Zeke's out of time when he has to, to think about too. his – Yeah, he has to think about – what he wants his career to look like from now on. But it's not Zeke's job to go to the Cowboys and say, hey, guys, I want to take a pay cut. They have to go to him no, and ask no, for that. And they probably no. will. Yeah. Uh, here we go. A question from John Mishota. Do you feel any pressure to make a, a type of move to improve your roster significantly, you know, uh, like some of these other teams have done recently, to get yourself over the hump, to, to improve the roster so that maybe you guys can go deeper into the playoffs? Well, if I knew for sure that the hump would stay still and not move around on me. And that one would get me over that hump. But the problem is that hump's moving on you too. Okay. 
Yep. That's amazing. There's, there, there's part of that. There's that. And there's another three minutes that went with that, but yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. an all-time drop. Jerry, uh, why did you uh, drop out of the porn industry? Well, if I knew for sure that the hump would stay still and not move around on me, and that one would get me over that hump. But the problem is, that hump's moving on you, too. Hump's moving on you. Man, uh, John, it's, it's a great question. His answer, I, I think... When I saw when I saw his answer, I was like, "Well, they're probably uh, going to consider maybe, and maybe we'll play this audio later." To them, maybe Odell Beckham is the big splash. You know, to me, it's like, and I know there's been little rumors about this. But I don't know how substantiated they are. The Jalen Ramsey type stuff. I'm like, well, there's something that changes things. That's a splash. I don't consider Odell Beckham Jr. a splash. I consider that yeah. a transaction. You know, I don't consider that a He cannibal. does, though. That's the thing. He, he does. He to him. Like, yeah. Let's get real here. I'm glad we're in agreement on this. That that Odell is not this piece that's going to equal a Super Bowl. Does Jerry think that? There's a point in that interview where um, Jerry's talking about Dak, and he talks about, you know, what is Dak? He's in his, like, whatever. He's going to be in his fifth or sixth year. And Todd Archer goes eighth. And it was just <laughs> like, was, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Um and so there's a part of me where like you piece that together with obviously him talking about Zeke. I mean, there I'm bringing this up because he could think of Odell Beckham as like the Odell Beckham catch was like two years ago. Yeah. And that's, I'm not saying that Odell Beckham isn't still a quality player, but like I'd want to see some, something from him a little bit here. I mean, he's coming <laughs> off of a major knee injury where he didn't even play at all last season and he's 30. Like, you know, that I understand if they sign him, you know, Jerry will sell that as like this is this missing piece. But I feel like he'll, he's going to be thinking he's getting like prime Calvin Johnson or something, you know, or or, the, or heck, even the guy that just was with the Rams at the end of the year. I, he might not be as good as the player that was with the Rams two years ago. So, um, yeah, I think when uh, the Cowboys doing something big is put out there, fans and heck, most people probably think, oh, Stefan Diggs, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins. And you come back with Odell Beckham at 30, coming off of a, a, a missing a full season. Like, that's not the same thing as some of these moves that Philly and Tampa and, and the Rams have made over the last three years. Heck, they've made multiple. All those teams made multiple moves. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you go and get uh, um, Odell Beckham and then you make another aggressive move. Let's say maybe it's trading up in the draft or something like yeah, then maybe it starts saying that, but just going out and signing Odell Beckham, I don't look at that as like, oh, look at, I mean, it would have to be some moves where you're like, man, that's the most aggressive offseason we've seen the Cowboys have in years. Like where everybody without a doubt could say that. There was no gray areas. Like, no, that's yeah. the most aggressive offseason we've seen them have. It's one of those things like, you'll know when you see it. And yeah. and it won't even be about talking about, we'll be like, oh yeah, no, they went. They were really trying that offseason. I think, I think part of why he holds Odell at, at this uh, pedestal is because Jerry's always half GM and half marketer and Odell's name and Odell's uh, Odell's flash makes it seem like it's such a big thing. But like, but you know, whereas we might like, I bet you anything he would think Odell's a bigger signing than Stefan Diggs, just because of the aura that comes with Odell Beckham and everything. I think he would, I'm not saying he would rather get Odell, but in his mind, I feel like it would just be like all this, the whole entourage that came through Dallas and, and everything that happened, all that stuff. I feel like he doesn't just look at on the field stuff. He looks at the totality of everything, which, you know, goes back to the Johnny Manziel card versus Zach Martin and 
and all that stuff. He's not just looking on the field alone. Can I just say, I would love for Odell Beckham to be here for cheap. That's great. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You need to, you need to add wide yeah. receivers. If you I, if you do that too, I'd love for you to have T. Y. Hilton come in too because someone will probably get hurt. So, like, if you want to do that, I'm good. Like, you, I'm down with adding wide receivers. The only, the only thing I'll say about the Odell Beckham thing is that, and I'm sure Kent, you have this cut, but when he talks about how don't rule out them doing something big, I mean Odell Beckham, he he mentions about them doing something big would have to be something that would be more than for just one year. I mean, you sign Odell Beckham like. You think that he's going to be one of these top receivers for not only this year, but the next three or four years? Like, that seems bold to try and predict that. Well, maybe Jalen Ramsey's the big name, you know? That she would. I just, give I don't you get some cap I don't get problems. What, yeah, yeah. It give you cap problems, and you'd have to give, I don't know. That, cap. I think the defense is, is we'll get there. <laughs> I think the defense is pretty, pretty damn good. Like, obviously, any, any area of the team can use an upgrade, but. I just the offense is screaming for needing another offensive playmaker, screaming for that. So the Jalen Ramsey thing sounds great on paper, and that what are you doing to improve the offense? Yeah, go ahead. I want to get this in before Saad has to go. Jerry talking about Coach McCarthy. The, the natural thing to do to look at uh, how to give more to what Dak can be was to call on what Mike can bring to the table and uh, the way he is addressing it. I know he's spoken with you, uh, but what he's doing and the areas of our blocking schemes and what we're doing uh, uh, in our pass protections, pass protections. We hear about the running and we hear about how we emphasize running, but we don't. Well, we weren't exactly uh, up to where we need or think we need to be. Well, as it turns out, where we could really uh, improve is pass protections. I was hearing that from Mike two years ago. And so, by the way, that, that's not the only way to do it, and certainly he would have stopped the train had he thought it was a disaster. As it turns out, we've had two really, in my mind, productive years. But he's had these years working with Dak. He's had the years that he's had with our, our personnel. Uh, and he's had the, uh, the the real, real experience of coming up short at the critical times. And I'm talking the technical aspect of being able to adjust for that. I, I think we're, uh, uh, as far as something we should be doing to try to help uh, us, if you will, be to San Francisco in the championship or the previous championship game, uh, I think we've put it right on it. And that is a way to make Dak better. But here's the thing, too. You're going to switch over to this West, more West Coast, and uh, you're going to go with uh, uh, this will be the most significant change in the offense since Dak Prescott has been their quarterback. And if it doesn't work out, there will be another person that will be putting in another new offense with Dak next year. Because this, yeah. if this thing is a disaster, and it, and let's say it, it, you know, they win eight games or something like that, they take a step back. Uh, I just I don't think Jerry's going to keep going in this direction. He's going to want to have a new voice in that room. So uh, we'll see. I mean, th that's one of the reasons if you're Mike, you take over play calling because you know that there's a lot riding on uh, this upcoming season. You make a lot of personnel decisions based on based on the system you're in. Zeke was Zeke was drafted to be the, uh, Demarco Murray in 2014, and you know everything like that. And then once Garrett goes out, there's there's a whole another 
kind of philosophy that comes in and, and you have to, and, and KT, you talked about it and you, you know, McCarthy better than, better than us from his days in green Bay. And, you know, I, like I remember James Starks and Ty Montgomery being converted and stuff like he, Mike McCarthy wouldn't have the same kind of emphasis that Jason Garrett did. And it's just, you know, like, like John said, if this doesn't work out this year, it's probably going to change next year anyways. One more thing on the offensive playmaker thing is that, uh, uh, you know, I would say one of the things I, I took away from my week in India was that uh, I certainly feel like tight end is more in play at 26 now than I did going into the week. And I just find that a little bit interesting, again, tying in the needing another offensive playmaker, tying in Mike needs to have success this year. You're going to move on from Dalton Schultz and then you draft a tight end at 26. I believe that that tight end that they take at 26 you know, has a chance to be a better player than Dalton Schultz. But I highly doubt that that player will be better in year one at tight end than Dalton Schultz just was. So even yeah. if you move on from Dalton Schultz, and again, if we're, I'm only talking about 2023, you move in this rookie tight end who, well, you're, we're just going to just throw a name. I'm going to say Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Let's say that sure. that's the guy. So then you have Michael Mayer and Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot. There's no... I think it's more likely that you get the same production from the tight end position that you got last year. That's not looked at. I don't look at that as a move where you're just like, oh, they're better now than they were last year because you're also losing Schultz. Again, I'm not saying you're saying Dalton Schultz is, uh, you know, Kelsey or something like that. I'm not saying he's Waller. You know, I'm not not saying he's uh, Mark Andrews. But the fact that he is a veteran in the league, he is a Dak, you know, guy. They know each other really well. This rookie tight end, the chance that that rookie tight I mean, look at across the league. Rookie tight ends generally don't come in the league and just light it up. There's a lot riding on this one season. So if that ended up being the pick at 26 and you move on from Dalton Schultz, I think that you're still going to have a good offense. But I don't. I, if you don't add that other playmaker I'm talking about, namely at wide receiver, I don't see the offense being any better than it was last year. And if that's not the case, then what are we doing here? Just setting up for another season where even if you get 12 wins, you're still not going deep into the playoffs? I, I you know, so I don't know. I like to see them be more interested in one of those wide receivers, whether we're talking about. Yeah, see, I'm not interested in the wide receivers at all. <laughs> so, well, well, no, but they I, just it, don't do much for me. This is a very bland class for me. I was just whining about this the other day to somebody how, with the way that the the game has changed and everything like that, and and it's not the you know as hard hitting, and and there's a lot more basketball being played on grass. I'm just stunned that there's not a better class of there's got to be so many people in the United States of America, kids that are six foot to six foot four that know they're not going to make it in the NBA. So they play football because they're putting three receivers at, on all these like high school teams, college teams. They're spreading the ball like I'm expecting every year receivers to like there's like three, four monsters every single year. And I look Plus at this class year. and I'm like, yeah. It's there's yeah. there, I mean, I like Addison, but like there's nothing about it where I'm like, oh, they get one man. You put in Jalen Hyatt. This offense is going to the next level. Like I'm like, yeah, yeah. and there's as good a chance of him taking them to the next level as he's could be Jalen Tolbert in his year one. I'm not saying he's not going to contribute. Anything, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? No, I feel like there's more questions this year than than usual. Um, but, um, you know, it's also a thing where right, uh, I think it's important to remember and Again, he was not the guy drafting the players in Green Bay, but famously, we've seen the the graphic a million times of, and I think it usually comes up when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. The Packers not drafted a skill position player, you know, since like 06 or something. Like since before Aaron Rodgers was quarterback, 
the only skill position player that they had selected in that time was Jordan Love. So now again, didn't McCarthy have a lot of say in Ted Thompson's draft room in Green Bay? That's hard to know. I I, I would be surprised if they went skill position first round. Yeah. Uh, personally, now uh, depending on what kind of hole they put themselves in at running back, uh, that could that could maybe turn things. But uh, yeah, I, I, th- I, I still think it's weird because offense is what you need, and you need help there. Wouldn't surprise me if they took a cornerback at twenty six, you know, and went into next year with Trayvon Diggs in a rookie corner and tried to work operate that way, and then you know maybe deal with your wide receiver in round two or three, and you know I, I hope they they don't have to take a tight end. Like I, I hope that they feel some type of connection with Jake Ferguson or, and I don't think this is realistic, what if they did get a deal done with Dalton Schultz? Don't think so. Don't think I want to do that, but I think you're just throwing out all possibilities of what that position could look like next year. But I'm ready to just move on. Not not that we're sitting here trying to help out the Cowboys save any money, but at corner, the other thing that makes sense about that too is that if you take a corner and they are have a good, solid rookie season – and you have that corner in Jerron Bland, it gives you some leverage in the Trayvon yeah. Diggs talks too. So, there, I mean, it helps you in more ways than one. But sorry, go on. No, there's no doubt about it. Are they thinking that far ahead? I don't right. know. I mean, some that's the are. thing that you want. That's the thing you yeah, want them to be thinking want. that far ahead. Yeah. So some people in the front office probably are, and some probably aren't. Uh, what do you have for us next, Kent? Yeah, I didn't cut the audio of the tight end stuff, but my takeaway no, from, my takeaway from that was moving on from Dalton and – see what you got in Hendershot and, and Ferguson and hope they take a step forward. That's what I kind of thought Jerry was saying there, John. Well, and, and also, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then also because, I mean, uh, going into the week, it, this was the case and coming out, it still seems like tight end is very, very deep. And so it's not even about necessarily taking one at 26. You probably get sure. a really good player in the second or third round. And it would not surprise me if they address that position in this draft. But yeah, um, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, go ahead. No, go. All right. So big question. Why not give Dak an extension now? Because all these quarterbacks keep getting paid, money keeps going up. Here's what he had to say. Well, let's be very candid. I'm not so sure at this juncture with Dak. But when you look at where we are, if we don't have Dak, I'm not so sure that seeing what we see or don't see this year is as material as you might think it is. Just right. it's just um, it's one. It'll be one of his, what would it be, his fifth year, sixth? Eighth. Eighth, what is it? He's done seven. So seven, okay. Eight. Well, there. But my point is it's one of eight. It's one of seven, okay? It is not the the year of his career. I've really felt for a, quite a while that Dak has the ability. I don't want to dare do this to Dak or me or anybody. But I'm going to do it. But I think just as Brady became – in my mind, better and better and more impactful on how they won as he got into his career. I think Dak really has those qualities. I think he can get better. Now, uh, uh, availability, uh, uh, injury availability is always the the question and hurt us with Troy and didn't hurt us, but it did hurt us. I mean, we, he was premature in my mind. But the point is, uh, Dak's availability is something to think about. So if I was trying to interpret for him, what I would say is that he feels like with the player that Dak is, that he can continue to play at a high level even as he gets older. You know, like as we just got done talking about earlier about Ezekiel Elliott, 
the odds of him playing his best ball this year, 28, 29, 30, highly unlikely. At quarterback, though, I do understand where he's coming from. Yes, Tom Brady, by the age of 30, I think had already won three Super Bowls. He won his first MVP at 30. He started playing his best football, I believe, at 30. He had a very good team around him when he won those first few Super Bowls. He was a big part of it. I'm not saying he was some just a little bus driver or anything, but there's clear that he had a lot more to do with it after the age of 30. He got better. He's also Tom Brady. He's the greatest ever. So to think that your guy's going to do that, obviously asking for, for a lot. But I think what he was trying to say is that he feels like Dak's the type of player that it's not like this was this season that just got over. Well, that was the best possible season he could have. He sees Dak as someone, hey, five years from now, he might be the best season that he has because at quarterback, the way that they play the game, the way that quarterbacks are protected from injury uh, with the calls and how you're not allowed to hit them in the pocket and things like that, that he could still be playing quarterback four or five years from now and perform better in, in, in the true quarterback sense of, you know, reading defenses, accuracy, maybe not as strong of an arm anymore as he got older, but he could still be playing at a very high level. Now that doesn't answer the question about why not extend him. You very, it's very obvious. You think he's the guy you've made that clear. Steven's made that clear. Mike McCarthy's made that clear. So why not get an extension done? And Steven said earlier in the week that it'll be something that probably get done where we'll just wake up and it's done with. And I know a lot of people roll their eyes at that, but it did make me think of when Romo signed his last extension, I think it was like 2013. I remember being at AT AT&T stadium for like the, it was either the sweet 16 or the elite eight they had out there. Yeah. And I remember it was like all of a sudden press release Cowboys get deal done with. And I'm like, yeah, that worked out. And maybe that's how this goes. But um, Tony Romo didn't have Todd Francis as an agent. And Tony Romo had never been in a contract situation the way Dak was going to the franchise tag. And it was just such a big storyline going in. So it's hard to believe when someone says, oh, no, I think it'll be one of these things where we just wake up and it's done. It's like, yeah, that sounds good. But, you know, I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, it's, it's, um, there are things that you can do, though, that with Dak's contract that helps you if you're willing to stay with him. And that's where I kind of wonder where Jerry truly is on that. Um, Well, when he was answering one of the questions, he made it. Okay, good. I got that. I got that right here. Big question from fans, especially after they saw what happened. Why not just get rid of Dak? When I start seeing something on the field, on the field, on the field, not off the field. When I see something on the field that would logically tell you, you need to start looking ahead past that i don't see that kind of thing happening in the next years huh? i say years. how many okay okay years oh well, about two years <laughs> hey did you say how is... many kt yeah because he said the next i know years. that was just funny because the way you said it you sounded like todd archer and todd was sitting right next to him and i was just looking down when you said that and i was like did I miss that? Did Todd follow up with that and say how many? That was weird. That's you sounded exactly like him. Um, yeah, but again, that's a great question because he, yeah, he doesn't answer that. How many years? I would say when he says years, I would think he would mean three, four, which obviously would yeah. fit with an extension. You know, I mean, I don't think Dak's going to sit there and you know when he says wake up and sign an extension and it's like a six year deal. I think it'll be like a two, three year extension type thing. And then you'd have him, you know, till his mid thirties and you know reevaluate there. Um, I know people might roll their eyes at that and say. Oh, it's time to move on from Dak. I don't think it is. They don't think it is. I, I would say the one thing is that maybe, you know, you look at drafting a quarterback in the later rounds over these next few years, and maybe you find a guy that you're like, well, this guy's not ready right now, but maybe in two or three years, 
he could be in the conversation, you know, and then we'll see where Dak's at in that in two, three years from now. And maybe this is a player that we consider, but I just, I, I don't think that as bad as the San Francisco game was, I think that they see the stuff like the Tampa Bay game the week before that and think, no, there's no way that we're moving on from this because the chances of us screwing this up and ended up way worse at quarterback are much greater than us sticking with Dak and it not working out. We got one of the, we got a guy that we think is on the, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. That's not our biggest issue here. We can, we can win with Dak. We got to, we got to keep building around him. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's the way they feel and that they add, uh, some type of a notable playmaker to, again, to help CD lamb, to help, help Michael Gallup, you know, to help Dak. And uh, a lot of fans will say, well, Jerry, how could you not have seen something on the field that makes you want to, I mean, the guy led the league in interceptions, right? Jerry Mm -hmm, went on to say that Dak, you know, is it's his, his mom used to say, uh, Dak's mom used to leave the room and say no interceptions, you know, and use that as an example of this has been embedded into Dak's mind not to throw interceptions. He knows more than anybody that it's not good to throw interceptions. So he feels like he's going to work on that in the off season. Um, But he did say this. Which I found pretty interesting, John. I think it um, uh, is important that such things as the amount of the field that he's trying to get a play in. I think that those that one nuance alone, in other words, uh, uh, taking areas in the ball game and reducing uh, the whole field. Okay, looking at everything. Okay, I think that there's a that Dak has the ability and ha- had to look and see uh, if there's any options when maybe we should have had one or two uh, when you're uh, first and 10 on the 20 going in and uh, you had it narrowed down. And uh, so uh, that's, uh, to me, him being confident in his ability to make those plays and the ability to see it and uh, uh, not just gearing down uh, with him and Mike and just saying, now, look, we're either going to make it over here on this third of the field or we're kicking. So this sounds good in theory. Um, basically, what it would be like is with the West Coast system, uh, splitting the field in half is kind of the way that they, they have mm-hmm. talked about it this week. Whereas, so on certain plays, instead of, let's say, having um, – four options on a certain play, you might have one or two instead of having a, you know, look through over the entire field on this certain play. The first option is maybe this receiver over on the right. And your second option is some other receiver that's near them. Let's say on the right side of the field. And your third option is to just dump it off to the running back. That's right there. So you're not surveying the entire field. It's like, boom, boom, boom. This isn't here. This isn't here. Then we do this. Like the, having answers to the test. That's what I've been told. That will be the better part of the of what they're trying to put in with this west coast system is that there will be quicker answers there won't be having to uh as many decisions on your plate you know my issue with that that sounds great if you're this is high school football and and you you got this you know new quarterback let's say he's a sophomore or something like that and you're trying to teach him with Dak Prescott some of the most successful plays he's had is when he's extended plays looking for the bigger play so while I understand what he's saying Good luck. Good luck on trying to convince it. You don't think people watch Sean Marion shoot a basketball and go, man, maybe let's work on that. Let's try and change that shooting form up. It's maybe the worst I've ever seen. But once you get to this level, professionally, you're not going to be making significant changes. And 
I find it hard to believe that all of a sudden Dak is just going to be like a one, two, boom, this isn't here, this isn't here, boom, throw it away. If Mike McCarthy gets him to play like that, I will be stunned because that's just not Dak. I mean, that's one of those things that I've always said about him. Like, he is not the type of guy that will just sit there and it's not there, throw it away. If it's not there, just go down and take the sack. Like, he's fighting for extra yards, and a lot of times he's able to have success in those plays, getting out of the tackle, rolling out and and extending the play. And yes, some of those plays lead to, uh, you know, turnovers, uh, it lead to a worse play, but he's also, they've led to some huge plays for the Cowboys and they've led to some huge plays for Dak Prescott throughout his career as a quarterback. So the idea that you're all of a sudden going to simplify this and that he's going to just, you know, boom, 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 this is what the play says, here I go, like... I, I don't know, man. You you might be able to convince a high school or college quarterback to do that. Somebody who's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And when the bullets are flying, it's way different than what you're going to be doing on the practice field. I, I, like I said, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, it reeks of I don't trust my quarterback, too. And I I, I think you guys have a – I agree with you, John. I think you almost have like a – this could be counterintuitive. Like, maybe we should look at the, the one, two right here. Well, what if you make the bad read and a route is jumped and you yep. didn't take the time when you had time to look and see if there was something else uh, uh, more available? So, yeah. and I think he, he trusts Dak to make plays. The part where I wonder his trust is on the on the turning the ball over. That's where yeah. I wonder because Mike really came off this week. At least my takeaways from on and off the record talks with Mike. It just really seems like he feels like with the talent that they have on this defense, that if they don't turn the ball over, that they don't need to be this fantastic top five offense. If they take care of the ball on offense and are just sound with the defense they have, they're going to win a ton of games. So let's not let's not, you know, kind of like, you know, you look at the two games that stand out to me are at Green Bay at Jacksonville. If you don't have some of those turnovers, those are games the Cowboys should have won up two touchdowns in the second half. (laughs) He wants to you know, cut yeah. down on those so that those are wins that you're not looking at those. Like, man, how do we let this get away? You know? Yeah. No. And if you win those games, you're the one seed, you play the giants in the divisional, uh, right. the divisional round, you moonwalk into the conference championship game and who knows what we're talking about then. So I, I agree on that. And not all of those run. Okay. This is a warning for the people who don't love Dak all the time. Oh, triggered you know, warning. All, there were a, a good portion of those, um, well, a good portion, and by portion, it's under fifty percent of those interceptions were on the wide receivers, for sure. Um, but in general, uh, anything else we need to hit here, uh, Kent? Yes. That jumped out at you. Let's see Odell Beckham, yes, maybe for sure. <laughs> I'm surprised this wasn't the headline kind of coming out about what Jerry says about Dak here. He, he doesn't seem like he ever wants to throw the ball away. You know? Dak will keep it alive. As long or better than than uh, than maybe most, because he's got the arm strength, he really can make the throws. Uh, but uh, uh, and but we really do need to uh, probably have a reconciliation here as to uh, the best way to win the game. We need to have a reconciliation. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Uh, that's, yep. that, everything he's saying right there is what I'm saying. That's the way Mike feels, too. It's that yeah. cutting down yeah. on those turnovers that, yeah, there could be a big play on the back end of this. But if we can cut back on some of these turnovers and, and pick our spots, then we should be fine. My Last big thing on pillies. that is, it, right, right. Yeah. So it's like it's <laughs> always going to be something. And then here's the other one. Like, who, say, who says that the team's going to be as healthy as that they were? 
you know, last year, you know, you know, you lose yeah. a couple key players in that defense. Look at how they looked without Leighton Vanderesh. What would happen if Micah Parsons isn't out there for a few games? You yeah. know, like what if Trayvon Diggs isn't out there for a few games? Look how bad they were at corner when they lost Anthony Brown. Like, so, I mean, there's a lot of different, um, you know, things that you can point to that you need to go right this season. My whole thing about the uh, cutting down on the turnovers and, and maybe trimming back the offense a little bit is also the fact of, but in today's NFL, you also need to score points. So, um, you know, I, I just don't see you. Can you, can this Cowboys defense win some games, you know, 17, 14? Absolutely. But I don't know that you can just go into all these games nowadays with how talented these offenses are and with the way the rules are that you can go in as your plan is going to be to win every game, 17, 14. I just, I agree. I, and that, I don't think McCarthy's wired that way personally. Even yeah. if he says it, I almost feel like it might be something that maybe McCarthy's the type of guy it strikes me that he might say something that like just like at this time in the media on the record might say something that's just like hey, Jerry might might hear this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, like, for sure. You know, he I mean he told you his way to get get the job, you know. Like I think uh, but, uh, okay, yeah, let's do one more, and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, so Jerry asked, obviously, about the new hire, Brian Schottenheimer as OC. Well, I think that uh, 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 Marty and his wife should be smiling. Marty should be smiling, and I know his pretty wife is, but I knew them so well when he was a much younger guy. Marty was on the competition committee with me, for, for, and we were together on that deal for eight or ten years I was on it and I learned a lot about NFL from him you just see the benefit of osmosis uh, when you are around him and uh, see that positive he's got a lot of enthusiasm it's if he's, he's a uh, uh, he's a uh, uh, he, he is a uh, uh, and not emotional but he uh, has uh, shows his excitement, okay, and uh, he just shows his emotion. And uh, uh, certainly, his father was a part of that way too, and his mama really is too. So my point is, okay. this isn't a family hired. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's not nepotism. Oh, but okay. uh, when he came in last year on a consulting basis, uh, I was thrilled to death that. Uh, we could uh, uh, take advantage of that time for him. But uh, he was ideal. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, uh, Mike uh, didn't even blink as to uh, uh, the help that he needed. Now, I, you guys are thinking the same thing we are. Nepotism. Did Jerry just know the name Schottenheimer? And this, this kind of got put through. Jory Epstein friend of the show jumped jumped in for that one. There are people who think that a big part of the reason he got the position, if not the only one, is because his dad was the first one who gave Mike an opportunity to coach in this league. What would you tell someone who thinks that? That I had something to do with it, and I, uh, I did it because his daddy taught me a bunch of football <laughs> on the competition bench. <laughs> so uh, whatever he influenced Mike on, I got a little of it too. So y'all can flip a coin over <laughs> who 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 had to? Uh, uh, I think we both had to agree. I think that's there someplace. But uh, the bottom line is uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, his lineage 
uh, I understand that. I, uh, <laughs> when I went home, I played for the Razorbacks. He basically said it the same, exact same thing he said he didn't, wasn't saying. What yeah, is he talking sure. about? He, yeah, he doesn't care about that, the nepotism yeah, thing. No. He, he, he let this, it's pretty clear now that we've seen how everything's unfolded. It, this was, Mike, this is on you. You want to move from, on from Kellen? That's fine. And we'll let you hire the offensive staff that you want. And sure. this is this is all on you now. And so he's going to hire somebody that he's comfortable with, and that's Brian Schottenheimer. I also wonder how attractive is that position anyway? You know, a lot of people will like bring up, let's say, like an Eric Bieniemy, for example, because obviously that's a guy that should have a head coaching job by now and hasn't. There's no way Eric Bieniemy would want that job. You're not the one yeah. calling the plays. And like I said, if it doesn't go well, it's a one-year job. You're back out. Like the next coach is not keeping you around. They're going to bring in their own staff. And that's also why Mike's not replacing Kellen with a young up-and-coming coach to be his OC, even though Mike's calling the plays. He needs somebody he can absolutely trust because they have to win this year. So I think that factors in. But of course, yeah, there's there's no question that knowing other people in the league and that, that, that factors in, I know they don't want to say nepotism, but there's just no question that that's a factor. Well, you know, uh, part of the ne- nepotism <laughs> thing, I'll, I'll just say, it's Tell what you that do. I knew his father. If the door, if <laughs> the door is a jar for you, it's what you do with that door when it's open. Right. right. So. Cause here's the other part. Here's the other part real quick on all of that. If we can change things back to the way they were a year ago, to take the nepotism thing out of there, not that this makes it, uh, that much different, but there's a chance that the offensive coordinator is, um, man, I'm drawing the blank now. The old Giants coach that was a, a analyst for the Cowboys two years ago. Oh yeah, dude, some mustache guy. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, McAdoo, because he was doing the same job that Schottenheimer was. So with Schottenheimer yeah. being in the building for the last year, that put him right at the front of like I like when they had me uh, for the athletic. I wrote like uh, who could be the next offensive coordinator. I mean, the first two names I had on there were those two guys because, you know, McAdoo and Schottenheimer sure. were both in the building. Mike McCarthy obviously feels comfortable with them. So, yeah, you can say nepotism Tolzine. and all that stuff, but it's going to be guys that you feel comfortable with that you've been around, especially because, hey, your your job's on the line. So you you have to have somebody that you absolutely trust because at, at the end of the day, if you're going down, you know, you want the people around you that, that you trust the most, you know, you're not going to like lean on somebody that you might not know as much and that maybe that offensive coordinator sees things different from you and, and you're getting fired and you're like, I didn't even want this guy to be my OC. So yeah. I guarantee you that Jerry was just like, Hey, this is your show. So, you know, a lot's on you and this you're year. You're asking a guy whose entire family tree works for the Cowboys too, Jerry. So he's not, yeah. he's right. not unfamiliar with the thought of, <laughs> you know, somebody being related to somebody and, and being in that industry. So, and, and you know what the thing is, you talk about that, Jerry, the follow-up answer to, to Jory's question. So let's say like the league office gets that and they're like, you're just basically saying Jerry, that it's nepotism and that you don't even care about it. He's just going to come back and say he was joking, you know, and that, that he wasn't being serious and whatever like that. It's not like anything's going to happen. You know, no. it's not like they're, it's not like he's going to lose the team over that or something like that. I mean, that's one of the great things, greatest things, um, greatest is not the right word. I should not use that. One of the things that stands out most with Jerry Jones is the fact that there are so many things that have happened to him that have nothing to do with what goes on in the football field that mo- most people would think it, like, oh, well, then that was probably the end. He probably had to, you know, 
step down or sell the team, and nothing's ever happened. So him making that that comment about, oh, well, I knew Marty too, ha, 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 or whatever, nothing's going to happen to Jerry from that. I mean, it's more concerning in the fact that this is the general manager of your team, and he probably knows the least names of anybody on who's out there, who's available, you know, yeah. in terms of young coaches. You talk about what yeah. Saad said with Odell Beckham. He'd rather sign Odell than Stefan Diggs, 100%. 100%. I f- totally yeah. feel the same way about an offensive coordinator. If if Brian Burns came to the star and said, I'm Brian Burns, I don't have a contract, I'll play for you. Jerry would be like, who are you? Well, we'd like to think the that... the GM of the team. We'd like yeah, to think right? that he would meet <laughs> right? with Will McClay. This is the kind of guy he is, though. We, is what we, I'm yeah, we'd to hope say. that he would meet with Will McClay and then things would go into motion. But I will say, yeah, you make a great point, Kent, because a lot of the, the, the things you said at the beginning... As Jerry, an owner, that lines up what I would say most of the owners in the league, that they're not going to know these young up-and-coming coaches. But you're right. When it comes to being the GM, yeah, you should know all that stuff. Well, no, and that's that's maybe the problem, right? <laughs> For the 30 years, maybe that puts that's a cap a on it, Jerry. Yeah. Um, it's amazing that it comes back to that so often. Well, let me until, ask you guys this. Until the hump moves and you get I'm over gonna it. Put, I'm going to put... I'm going to put KT on the hot seat real quick here. Do it. If Okay, so at your current at your current job, if they mm-hmm. were like, "We're going to give you um we're going to let you hire whoever you want, but if you don't have success in the next year, 365 mm-hmm. days from now, you will be fired." That's kind How of many, the case. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, and you get to make 5 hires. How many of those 5 and, and I'm asking you this because you've been in the radio business for a while. How many of those yeah. five hires would be somebody that you have no and nothing to do with other than that someone told you, hey, this this is a, a young up-and-comer, blah, 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 like they could bring something to this show. Out of five hires, how yeah. many of them would be like that? None. Because they would have I was going to gonna be, say um, one. I was going to say possibly one. But you better believe be one, three yeah. or four of those would be people that I, I've known for a long time because I yeah. have to really trust them. So there is that part with me. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and and in that specific um, example, like I, I, you know, all the people in local radio in the industry, right? Oh yes, all these football guys know all the people in their coaching trees, right? Uh, or in their uh, coaching families and backgrounds, you know. So you have all these connections, the same way any industry might have. So that's, you know, uh, I, I had no problem with where they ended up. On offense, I think it was time for this to happen. I don't know that I would have said Kellen needs to go, but Kellen will be fine with the Chargers, I would imagine. But look, if, if you've, it, it is, there's a level of put up or shut up. Here we go. Let's just let Mike McCarthy handle this and call plays. I get it and support it, and it's different, I guess. Um, like, I wish I had like a harder opinion on it because I did like initially think it's probably a bad idea to let Kellen go. Um, but you know, you also put yourself in this position, and it's year four, and then you you get Dan Quinn to stay. It's kind of like, oh, okay, well, we got a chance here. Look at the NFC, and there's still some quarterback shaking out that needs to happen, right? As we still wait on the guy who came out of his hobbit hole to decide if he wants to play or not. <laughs> it's been, been a pretty wild one. And you're just trying to see what happens with Derek Carr. I mean, dude, the, the NFC South doesn't even have a decent starting quarterback yet. None of those teams even know their quarterback's going to be next year. You look at our, uh, our division. I mean, yeah, Daniel Jones is fine, I guess. Um, Sam Howell doesn't concern anyone at all. 
does Washington get involved with the quarterback? With the NFC, and you end up going, well, we know the Eagles are going to be formidable, although they're going to lose a lot of free agents. They might take a step back, probably will take a step back. Like It's there. Make your offense better with weapons. That's It's pretty simple. And you would like to have your GM go do that for you. But your GM is Jerry. So you just hope the guys behind the scenes On that note. handle that. <laughs> I wish it was more uplifting. I, I, John, John, you're right. Like You walk away from everything that was said and done going, they're probably going to attack it the way they've always attacked it. And by the way, unpopular because people are tired of this. Unpopular opinion. I don't have a super big issue with the way that they attack things from the standpoint of we want to be in it every single year. The problem is they're not necessarily in it every single year. But I think their plan of doing that is is fine. Well, the uh, 13th is when the tampering period starts in NFL free agency. Uh, The 15th is when NFL free agency officially starts. We'll be back next week with some more on that as uh, free agency gets going. Check out our past episodes if you missed them, where we had our kind of free agency preview and things like that. John has more. Big article uh, that he's put up, uh, some combine uh, material from John. But, of course, he's got one with a lot of good clips of Jerry, if you want to see Jerry uh, as well, on the bus. Um, things about Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, so there's a lot of good stuff from John uh, that you can go check out as well. Check out Sod's work with the Dallas Stars as well, as the Stars continue to do really well. Um, and Kent, great great job editing audio and uh, this week uh, out in Indianapolis. Thanks for taking care of the combine for us once again, fellas. For uh, Kent Garrison, for Father John Mishota. KT. I'm KT. We're going to see you next week uh, and could get a little chaotic as free agency gets going on about them Cowboys. That ump's moving on you too.